Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. How many are ready for God's Word today? We've been sharing a series, Kathy and I, on questions, apologetics, and about sharing our faith, and about also the defense of the gospel and hitting some of the controversial issues. You know, so many people have various views on this and various views on that uh, subjects, and uh, you know, the Bible even speaks about there's a way that seems right unto man, but the way there ends, ends up in death. And so we're going to be talking this, uh, this morning on the whole aspect of spiritual warfare, of what's going on, the thief's work. And what I want to share is the foundation. One of the things that I have learned, and let's all go to our Bible, first of all, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Is there anybody here that ate too much this weekend? A few hands went up. Is there anybody here that didn't sleep as well as you wanted to last night? Is there anybody that after you shoveled all the snow, you got a little bit tired out? Whatever it is, how many know there's coming a day where you're not going to be tired anymore? There's coming a day where you don't have to have any aches or pains of any kind, not saying that we got to live with all that. How many know we can walk in God's provision for us? But how many know many of us don't do that? But anyway, it's here for us. And let's all stand together as we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to read this chapter to you today, but I want you to read it along with us because it shares about the two kingdoms. It shares about... The kingdom of God, which is inside of our heart, and it shares about the responsibility and the mandate that you and I have. How many believe that one day, uh, if the Lord tarries, we're all going to die? I mean, oh, there's two things in Canada that you can't get out of, paying taxes and death. Come on. It's always there. Funeral homes is a secure business. It'll always be here. All right. And the second thing is taxes. But look what it says over here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want you to engage, I want you to read this. Faith is awakened by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's all say this together. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in, come on, is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Go right down, we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like what? New clothing. Let's keep going right in. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. And then it says, while we live in these earthly bodies, what happens? We groan inside, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit, already a done deal. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. But look at, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. We would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. Interesting. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. Look at the next verse. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done. New covenant doctrine here in this earthly body. Keep going. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Uh, they're going to go to the next verse over here, but I want to ask a question. How hard are you working to persuade others this morning? That went over so well. Are we keep going? Are we commending ourselves to you again? Giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. This is so good. Either way, Christ's love controls us 
Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our... Is there anybody here that's died to your old life? How many know the old life is dead, but how many know the... Uh, just like when a divorce takes place or the death of a... How many know the old husband wants to still send flowers? Still wants to send the chocolates? Still wants to text and get into your life? Come on. But he died for, come on, for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and what happened and was raised for them. Keep reading. Keep going right along. So we have stopped evaluating others from a... This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Now, wait a minute, just a moment. And how did this all come? And all of this is a gift from God. Go ahead. God has given us the, go back one, if you can. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. Okay, there it is. Everybody said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I remember in Bible school, Dr. Hagen sharing that word new over there in the Greek language was a word that didn't exist before because it speaks of a new species of beginning, a new species, a new origin that never before had existed. How many know in the old covenant, the, uh, the Spirit of God could come on the prophet, the priest, and the king? How many know in the new covenant, he comes upon everyone, sons and daughters? Come on. How many know that the new creation is born again? It's got the very DNA, the very life, the very ability, the very love, the very forgiveness that God himself actually has has now already been put and stamped on the inside of every one of us that's here today. As a matter of fact, it says the new creation. God's giving you not only a new heart, he's giving you a new nature, a new love, a new passion. He's giving you a new language in the spirit, a new salvation, a new start in life, a new hope. He's giving you a new home. He's made a new dream, a new purpose, a new unity, a new perspective, a new way of thinking. He's put inside of you a new oil. He's put inside of you a new wine, not a natural wine, a new wine, a new anointing, a new song, a new garment. He's given you a new tongue, given you a new commandment. He's promised you a new heaven and a new Jerusalem. He's made you a new man, given you a new king, a new wine, a new covenant. He's given you a new life in this earthen treasure. He's given you a new order, a new doctrine, a new message called the good news. He's given you a new assignment for your life. He's given you new friends. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, that's you around me. Come on. He's given you a new grace, a new power, a new doctrine, a new resurrection, a new priesthood, but he's also made you a new righteous. He's made you righteous. That means over there, according to the teachings now, as Jesus is, so are we, not when we get to heaven, but now. He was the salt of the earth. How many know you are the salt of the earth? You are the light of the world. You can be led by the Spirit just like Jesus was led by the Spirit. He made you the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's redeemed you, ransomed you, set you free from the curse of the law. There'll no longer be a separation between you and God. He that's joined to the Lord is one Spirit. He redeemed you from the curse of the law, separation from God, disease, sickness, fear. Come on. He's redeemed you of that as well as poverty and the curse. You are strong in the Lord, not becoming strong. You are strong in the Lord and in the power of his life. You are blessed. You are called the saint. You are the head, not the tail. You have been dead to sin in the old man and raised up to a new life. You're not just a conquering nature inside you, not just an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror on the inside. And God's given you the ability to live an overcoming life. And today, we have Darwin and Mary, the Baptists that are with you, that will give you a start in the baptismal tank. The Bible says to repent of your sins. Believe the gospel. Believe that what? That he is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he's here today to invade your heart. He's here today to break off the chains of the old nature and the old man and make you a brand new person in Christ Jesus, that new creation that we're talking about. This morning, we had all women that came up, and they all got already in the baptismal tank. They already took them down after the nine o'clock service, and guess what? Chains were broken off their life. A new start, a new beginning has come inside of the life. One of them was the mother of one of the girls that came and visited yesterday for her daughter that was here from the center. Can you say amen? And she'd been watching the program every week by live stream from London, Ontario. 
Amen. Came over here and said, I got to get baptized. I got to do what's going on over there. Faith comes by hearing. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you given your life to God and been baptized. If you haven't been, sir, ma'am, we got to change the clothes, private lockers, change areas. We give, you'll look better when you come out than when you went in. But if you're out there today and you've not given your life to God, you want to start a new beginning, or if you have, but you've not been baptized, we've never baptized an infant in this here church and never will. Because why? Babies can't repent. Babies can't believe. But sir, ma'am, you can. So if that nudge is there and it's on your heart, just respond now. Come on down. Step out in faith. The Bible says you live by believing, by see, uh, by believing, not by seeing. The King James says we live by faith, not by what we see in sight. So just make your way down wherever you're at, and let's get you into the tank. Come on down, girl. God bless you. Right over here. God bless you. God bless you. You go in and, and right in there. Who else is here today? God bless you, ma'am. Come on right down. Right over here. Is there anybody else? Do you need to be down here? This is for you. This is your opportunity. There's a release of the presence of God that will come on your life, and your life will be rocked today. Your life will be changed, not from the outside, but from the inside out. Watch what God does. God, Darwin, Mary, go have a great time. Enjoy the party. Amen. High five somebody around you and say, pray for them. Okay. 65% of Americans, it's the only survey that I could actually find, actually believe they're Christians, and they actually believe that their good works is what has merited them salvation. They believe that uh, outside of that, that they're good works, that they're good people, that they treat people good, they try to be fair, they try to be just. And then on top of that, the same people normally believe that man is inherently good and that we all are just these great people. And how many know that in all of our lives, at one time or another, we have emanated or we have modeled or we have said something or done something that really doesn't exemplify the character and the nature of Christ? How many can agree with what I just said? So any hands that are not up around? Okay. And, and, and how many know when we look at the standards that man has and the standards that God has, how many know they're a little bit different? Matter of fact, I quoted this earlier. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ways therein are the ways of death. I want to just state this right from the very, very beginning. Pastor Rick and Pastor Kathy, uh, we're, we're, we're just going to state it just the way it really is. How many know in and of our own selves, there's no goodness? The goodness that we have is the Christ that lives in us. Come on now. Christ is good. He is whole. The Bible says God is good. He's living now on the inside, not even to question everything else. But how many know outside of Christ, we all manifest something called the selfish nature? We all live and there's always dark areas inside of our lives. There's always, anybody ever do 100% everything the right way without ever question, without doubt? Said everything right, dotted every dot, everything, come on, every, raise your hand right now. You're perfect. Is there anybody that hasn't arrived yet? Just, just raise your hand. You're on the, come on, raise your hand if you haven't arrived. Well, the scriptures teach us, where's the background for this here? Where do I get this from in the scripture? Well, it's very important that we lay the foundation for this because then I'm going to be getting in to the thief's work over in John 10. Psalm 51 says, this is David writing, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me day and night against you and you alone have I sinned, I have done what is evil in your sight, and you will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Everybody say, born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Psalm 30 says, for the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Now listen to this one. Lord, if you kept record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? How many can imagine every one of your sins all being there? Come on. Every one of the motives, every one of the attitudes, every time you said the wrong thing the wrong way, come on now, the tones that we use, the sarcasm that we use, you know, the imperfections that we manifest out there. And he says, if you, oh God, record, uh, uh, if you kept a record of our sins, 
Who, O oh Lord, could survive, ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. How many can say, I love that second part. Come on. And then Proverbs 14, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the godly will flourish. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So many people have chosen their own path and made their own path, and they've created a God today in their own image. In other words, this is the God that fits my personality. It's a God that fits my beliefs. It's a God that goes my way, and he just agrees with everything that I want to do and everything that I want to do for life. Come on. How many know that's not the way this whole thing works? How many know he's still God and we are still man? Come on. And then it says in Isaiah, which is the great exchange chapter out there, chapter 52 speaks about he was beaten beyond recognition. They could hardly even recognize that he was a man. Then you know, to whom is the arm of the Lord uh, stretched out to? That's to you and I over here. But in 53, 4, it says, yet it was our weaknesses. Everybody look at somebody and say, our weaknesses. He carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And he said, thought his troubles, we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Come on. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. How many know we're the recipient of the whole thing? So how many know according to what he's teaching so far, he is our substitute? And look at the next verse. Look at in verse number six. Go ahead to the very next verse. All of us. Everybody say all of us. Like, see, we strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of who? Of us. Oh, this is the redemption chapter, guys. Go to the next verse over there. And it says, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and a sheep in silent treatment before the shears and did not open his mouth. Why did he do all that? Because he cared about you. He wanted a family. Can you say amen? And he wanted you reconciled back to God. And if there was another way, then listen very carefully. He would have went the other way. Jesus said, even in his last moments, he said, God, if there's another way, let this cup pass by. But it was the cup of suffering for you and for me today because you were on his mind. He's the author. He's the finisher of your faith and Rick's faith. He's the beginning of it all. He's the end of it all. He's the start of the journey and he's the finisher. He started a good work in you, and now he's going to complete that good work right up into the day of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, pastor, that sounds really wonderful, but that's all Old Testament. Well, I'll get to the new. Hang in. Jeremiah 17, the human heart is the most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all the hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. How many know inside of all of our lives, we've done things that it could even be good things that we can do it with the wrong motives? In other words, if it's about us and bringing attention and glory to us, how many know there's something wrong from the very fundamentals inside of us? What I like about Moses, the story in Exodus 15, you'll read the story of Moses called the Song of Moses. And in there... Moses is called in numbers the most humble man on the whole planet. And isn't it amazing? He spoke about himself. But he said he's the most humble man. And he wrote it, inspired, of course, by the Holy Spirit. But how could he write such a thing talking about his own self? Because he recognized in the Song of Moses there's 46 references all about God and not one about him. How many know it's not about me and it's not about you, but it's about Christ and his kingdom? Come on. And when it becomes that way, then we're entering in to what God says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that those that have been crucified to the old man no longer live for themselves, but live for the one they're in covenant with. And then in John chapter 3, this is the fact. No, let me go to Mark 7. First of all, it says, and then he added, it is what comes from the inside that defiles you. For from within out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they are what defiles you. Now, now, how many have ever thought something on the inside that you're so happy that it's not on the screen on Sunday morning? <laughs> Can anybody ever raise your hand and say, I'm so happy it's not there? How many have ever said something that you're so happy is not on the screen? Because it's not on the screen doesn't mean that God didn't see it and God doesn't know about it. 
Okay, but on that day, everything is going to be out there, okay? So all I'm trying to bring out right now is listen very carefully. When people say, you know, I'm a good person, I treat people right, and I'm going to heaven because of my own merits. Listen, the Bible says in Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So nobody's better than anybody else inside the room. There's, there's there are what they call the party animal sins, and then there's the religious spirit sins. Yeah. And God puts them all together and says, all have sinned. Come on. So one thing, our minds determine something, and, and we have our own scale of what is the major sins and what's the minor sins. But how many know all sin is sin, it's rebellion, and it's against God? Joey said this here, why should I do this here and sin against God? We understand this, Daniel the same. And, and, and so in John chapter 3, it says, and this is one of my wife's favorite verses here, and it says, as Moses was lifted up by the bronze snake, this is in John 3, 14, it says, uh, on a pole in the wilderness, and that's where we get in the medical today, where they actually have the snake on the pole, was from there in the book of uh, Numbers. It says, so the Son of Man must be, what's it say, come on, Lift it up. We're on the cross, of course. And so that everyone who believes in him will have what? Eternal life. Keep going to verse 16. This is the one at the football games they have. For this is how God loved the world. He gave, come on, his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish. What are they going to have? Eternal life. Look at verse 17. God sent his son into the world. Why? Why did he send him? Not to judge the world, but to what? save the world through him. How many can say that's good news? There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has what? Already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. See, that's what we were talking about a few moments ago in baptism. He was our substitute. He took the place for us. It should have been you and I that paid the penalty. The wages of sin, just like the wages you work with, you get paid. The wages of sin is death, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why we do what we do over here. Very fundamental. But keep going because it doesn't stop there in John 3, 16. It says in the judgment is based on this fact that God's light came in the world, into the world, but people love what? The darkness more than the light. For what? Their actions were evil. Look at verse number 20. And who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed? Look at the next verse over here. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. And everybody said... And so we covered this here in Romans chapter 3. All people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. And then he goes on and he says over here, the law simply shows us how sinful we are. How many have ever kept the Ten Commandments 100%? Raise your hand. People tell you all the time, well, you know, I keep the commandments. I said, can you name them? And they look at you and say, what do you mean? I said, well, you said you keep them. Come on. So tell me what they are. Most people average one or maybe two. Okay. Well, I don't get drunk. Okay. Well, that's not even in there. Come on. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't smoke. Well, that's not even in there. Okay. They don't even know what they are, but they're trusting that to get them in. Come on. But the law wasn't given, listen, very carefully to save you. The law was given to show you your need for the Savior. And we got to wonder, this is so basic and so fundamental. And then the Bible says in Romans 5, when Adam's sin, sin entered into the world, Adam's sin brought death so that death spread to everyone. For all have sinned, everyone has sinned. Yet people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. That's another whole message on the human race and how the whole thing started and everything else. But the last one that I want to share about is in Ephesians chapter 2. So how many know through the scripture we've blown out the argument that we're not saved by our works? Okay. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags unto God. In other words, it's worthless. It's just like old clothes. It's just not going to do it. But how many know we got the cloth of righteousness on us now? Last one is in Ephesians 2. Once you were dead. Everybody look at somebody and say, once you were dead. Okay, you used to live in sin, and it said, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Very important. Look at the next verse, if you will, verse number 3. 
All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very natures, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And then look what it says in 4. But God is so rich in what? Mercy. And he what? Loved us so much that what did he do? That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Look at the next verse over here. This is powerful. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us where we're at with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. These are the verses that hit me 41 years ago. So God can point us to uh, us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are unified with Christ Jesus. Come on. And then God saved you by his grace when you believe and you can't take credit for this. It is what? The gift from God. Last verse nine, look at it here. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about. How many can agree? There's the message in its entirety right there. The next verse says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ unto good works. I'll never forget the day 41 years ago that I got born again. I'll never forget the day that my values changed. I'll never forget the day that my priorities changed. I'll never forget the day that the way I saw people changed. I saw people from a, a different view one day, and then when I got born again, it was completely different, and it wasn't because I heard a message. It wasn't because I was, heard a sermon. It was because the very nature of God was put inside me. And I'll never forget that their day that there was a burden to see loved ones come into the kingdom. I never heard a message about it, never knew anything about it, but I knew that my sin is what separated me from God, and I knew now that this is a message that God had given that he wanted the whole world saved. And so there was a burden to see love. How many can relate with what I'm saying right now? I knew what it was like to actually be forgiven of my sins. I knew that there was a vice that was over my head, and that thing had pushed in, and it was a shackle. And I remember that day as clear today as I did 41 years, and that vice broke off of my head. And I entered into a different world today. My mind is catching up to what transpired on that there day. But I mean, no, everything was all put inside me, already deposited inside me that day that I got born again. I was made righteous. I was forgiven. My future was in his hands. Why? Because I made him Lord of my life. Now, here's where I want to go today. If there's anything about everything that I just said, that is the gospel in the simplicity. What I want to share with you today is there's an enemy today that blinds people, that blinds loved ones from seeing the gospel today. And we're trying to hit the root issues out of the way. Just, just ask yourself this question. And Jesus said, God, Father, if there's another way, let this cup be passed for me. So how many know he didn't want to see his son go, go through that? He didn't want to see his son whipped and tormented and beaten and pulled out his beard and, and beaten beyond recognition, shed his blood in seven different times externally and one time into. He didn't want to see all that. No father would want to see your son go through something like that. But he recognized there was one plan to reconcile lost mankind back to the father. And that's why that cup didn't pass. And that's why Jesus took the cup and the wrath of God upon himself for your place and for Rick's place. Okay, that's it. So here's where we want to go. The devil knows that. And the devil knows the gospel. And he knows the God of this world that blindeth the eyes. But here's what he's a master at. Twisting the word of God to blame God for things that God had nothing to do. And when people, listen, Jesus, you know, people say, well, God doesn't love me. And I know he doesn't love me like he loves somebody else. And he cares about them a whole lot more than he does me. Because if he did this for me and did that for me, then I know what he would have loved me. Listen, dude, he died for you. Okay, he didn't need to die for you, but he died for you. So wait a minute, you, you, you question the name. And the devil's the master at twisting the character of God against the people of God. Now, if he can get you in this here area... He's got you because you don't understand his purpose, why he's here. Okay, he already made his bed. He already made the wrong choices 
and he will suffer the consequences, Lucifer, of his choice. Any teacher that preaches today, well, hell is just not, it's just, you know, temporal, and the devil's going to be reconciled back to God, that's another lie from hell. Come on. He's already made his bed. He's already chosen. He is called the God of this world. Now, I'm going to make a strong statement right now, and please hear, and don't take it out of its context. People say God's in control of everything, everyone. He knows it's going to go, and it's all preordained, and it's all predestined. I want to just tell you this here, okay? I want to just state this here. God has given Rick, and he's given you a free will. And you live by the choices that you make. And your future will be determined by the choices that you make, whether good choices or bad choices. How many made bad choices in your life? Okay. How many made good choices in your life? How many want to make better choices in your life? Okay. Okay. We're going to help you with that. Okay. But here's the purpose. Why, what was the purpose of why Jesus came? He had to have a purpose. It wasn't just to die for your sins. The Bible says in 1 John 3, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the evil one. So apparently the Bible said there's an evil one. Okay? It's not just a force. It's not just an imagination. It's not just a parable. It's not just a story. The evil one is called the wicked one. He's called the hurtful one. But he's also called, and the Bible tells you his purpose of why he's here. And it tells you in John 10. Everybody look at John 10. New Living Bible. Everybody say, the thief's purpose. Why is the devil here? This is his purpose. Is to steal, come on, and to kill, and to destroy. But then Jesus said what my purpose is, okay? I'm in John, I'm in John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Go ahead. But what's Jesus' purpose? Come on. My purpose is to give them what? Come on. A rich and what else? A satisfying life. The King James Bible actually says, my purpose is to give them life and to give that life, come on, more abundantly. Can you all say amen? So we see the thief's purpose and we see God's purpose. Now here's the area that the thief operates on. His number one, he's not called, listen very carefully, a good person. He's called a thief. What is a thief? It's a person who steals, especially secretly, without the knowledge of others, escaping notice, secluded, if you want to call it. And his work is actually designed that way. It means, listen, the word thief means taking something without permission, or without right. It means he does it secretly, but he also does it by force. He moves about quietly. This is all part of the definition. About quietly, unobserved, and he moves about gradually. Okay, why? So that you don't even notice, or you don't even think he's there. And so what he'll do is he'll lay some gunpowder down. And he'll lay it down over here. And then you can see him right when it's being laid, but then he gets away. And he's walking away, way away. And all you see now is a little trail of gunpowder, but you don't see the thief in the picture anymore. But he's still working. The Bible says, be sober. Come on, to the New Testament church. Be vigilant to the New Testament church. For your adversary, come on, your opponent, the one you are at war against, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. Come on, the devil. That means the accuser. It says, walketh about as what? As a roaring lion. He isn't a roaring lion, but he walks about. He isn't a lion, but he walks about as a roaring lion. And then there's something on his mind, seeking who he may devour. Have you ever wondered how he does that? Have you ever wondered what his tactics are, what his strategy are? Well, you know, you people pray it all the time in the Our Father, but they don't even put two and two together in it. They say it from a religious mindset, but they don't even understand. Everybody say, Our Father, which art, come on. Chart in heaven. Thy, thy, on, as, give us this day our daily bread and as those who trespass against us and 
and hang on and lead us not but how's he going to deliver us from evil living in an evil world it's not even evil it's literally translated new living and all the other evil one deliver us from the evil one now the context is forgiveness how does the evil one the number, I was praying about this, and I'm actually teaching this even on Wednesday nights right now about the strategies of the wicked one in the area of temptations. He is called, and it's in three of the four Gospels where the temptation of Jesus, where the enemy actually came to tempt Jesus. And he said something like this. He said, all these kingdoms of this world I have, and I'm going to give you those kingdoms if you will bow down and worship me. Well, guess what? Guess what? Somehow, somehow he got the kingdoms of this world. When did that transfer? It went all the way back to Adam, the federal head of the human race. And he gave it over to him. But come on now. And how many know people say, well, the kingdom of God. Yeah, the kingdom of God, it's on the inside. But here's the key. Our job is to display, is to exemplify and establish the rule, establish the reign. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Literally means establish the rule and establish the reign of the Christ now. Because where the rule of Christ is, the rule of hell is out. Where the reign of Christ is, the reign is out. And the Bible says when it's all said and done, the kingdoms of this world have now shifted into the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he's going to reign forever. Amen. Have you ever wondered who the mandate and who the responsibility of getting the kingdoms under the lordship of Jesus' job is? It's you and I that are here today. Can you all say amen? Lynn got it right, okay? So why am I saying all that? Why am I saying? If the enemy can seed into your minds unnoticed the area of in relationships, he tempts you to get a grudge. He tempts you to be bitter. He tempts you in your knowledge of God. The Bible says my people are destroyed for what? Lack of of now, deficient knowledge, missing pieces of knowledge. In what? In the character, in the nature of God. And if he could get you to doubt the character of God, that God is love. Well, if God loved me, why did all this bad stuff happen to me? If God cared about me, he's so faithful, why didn't he deliver my uncle? If God, and, so, and so it's always a shift, come on, it's always a shift against the nature of God, the essence of God, and the character of God. I'm going to blow some things away today, and I'm going to, not going to pull out all the stops, and I'm not going to hold anything back. So just let, let's just talk about this for just a moment. Number one is he goes unnoticed, he goes secretly, and he wants to be obtrusive, he wants to be out of the way. But he's still where? So he lays the gunpowder, goes all the way down, sets up the scenario. Something happens, somebody dies, something gets broken. So why did all this happen? Bang, he goes and lays the trap and snares you now against the character and the nature of God. Because the foundation of all your faith starts with the relationship with God. And if he is good, then I've learned he can't be bad. And so if anything comes into this mind about God being bad, God being unjust, God not being, it will not stay in Rick Shemateral's mind. My mind has been renewed to that there. It's like 101, reject, reject. The enemy's at work. The enemy is lying. The enemy's trying to get in. The enemy, something's going on. And we're not going to get mad at him because if you're mad at him, then you won't use the authority he's given you to get rid of the one that's causing the problem. Good preaching. Thanks for the shout. So if it's stealing from your life, well, didn't Job say that Pastor Rick, that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away? Blessed be his name. Yes, here's something else that you better get a hold of. Everything in the word is truly stated. But not everything in the Bible is a statement of truth. And if you don't, if you didn't write that down, you're going to forget it. What do you mean by that? Ananias and Sapphiria said, we sold the land for such. And he lied. So it's truly stated, but what they said was not a statement of truth. 
When Job said, blessed be the Lord, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be. He spoke it out of the bitterness of his heart. And if you don't understand contextual beforehand and afterhand, you're going to get all messed up with the character of God. I got this inside of me 41 years ago that God is good. God is for me. He's called me to triumph. He called me to be an overcomer. He's on my side. He's the wind in my sail. His ruach and breath is upon me. His spirit has made his home inside me. I'm united to God. I'm the same spirit with God. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. When I got a hold of that 40 some years ago, it just blows the other stuff out. So there's no room to entertain that. Second thing he does, he kills. The word kill literally, when you look in the Greek, it means immolate. And I said, God, what does immolate mean? I looked it up in the dictionary, Webster's. It means to rush to slaughter for any purpose. Hang on. It means to deprive of life. So if it's depriving you of life, Let me tell you, fear is a paralyzing force that deprives you of the life of God. Okay, listen, unbelief is a paralyzing force. Double-mindedness is a paralyzing force. Doubt is a paralyzing force. Wavering up and down that deprives you of the very life of God on the inside. It also means, literally, it means to deprive of activity or quality of life. Here's another one. It leaves you numb. It leaves you in extreme pain. It means to wear you down, to tire you out to the point where you collapse. Do you know in the world that we're living in today, the spirit of Antichrist is out. If you can't tell, I mean, we can't even say Merry Christmas without somebody having a fit. Well, too bad, have your fit. You know, just have your fit. So, but the reality is that stuff wears you down. Why do we have to fight for something as simple as saying Merry Christmas? That's the Antichrist. And so here it is right here. It kills. What does that mean? And if you can't see that spirit that's in our land today, you can't. The only ones that ain't got rights now is Christians. Everybody else has got rights. I'm not even going to develop that whole thing. Okay. But it goes over there. Listen carefully. It means to tire to the point of collapse, to hit a shot that's so hard in a various game that a return is impossible and the desire is to consume you totally. In other words, he wants to hit you in such a way, hit you so low to the place that you just buckle over and you can't. You know what I learned recently? You know the elephants as big as them suckers are? They're humongous, man. When I was in Africa, you watched those elephants and there was a whole pack of them and they're going like this here. They picked them and the earth underneath them would actually shake. And they're all just walking. I seen him wrap his trunk around a tree. And, and instead of going to the top because he couldn't reach it, he wrapped his trunk around the tree and pulled the sucker right down. But you get those ringmasters. And they always got that little pole. And that little pole has got a hook. And that hook is on the right side. He always walks on this side of the elephant. Why? Because he puts that pole up there. And that pole can hit a nerve on the right side of the elephant's ear. And that little nerve in the elephant's ear that he knows right where to put the pressure on can stop the elephant in his tracks, can bring the elephant right to his knees. And when I heard that, I'm saying, God, what's unnerving us? What's the nerve, the sensitive spot that the enemy hits that just paralyzes us and brings us right to our knees? Wow. Let's go on. The third thing is he destroys. Not only does he want to do it unobtrusively, not not only does he want to uh, steal from your life and kill your life, he wants to destroy your life. And destroying your life means to ruin the structures, to tear it down, that it is beyond possibility to use. One translation for destroy literally means to paralyze completely. Now, if you haven't learned this about God, if you haven't learned this, his word says that Satan himself comes as an angel or a messenger of light. In other words, he can can come with religious garb on. And, 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 And when they teach things today, they teach things today that go against the character of God, 
the nature of God. Well, the gifts of the Spirit, they're not really for today. They were just to start the church at the very beginning. That's the angel of light. Oh, there's no more power today. That's all done and everything else. And let's just tell them nice little stories. Let's just bring more of the psychological aspect in here to solve man's problems. You're never going to solve them by the mind. You're going to solve them because of the heart. And when you deal with the heart issues, then God can get the freedom. Can you say amen? Thank God that they're out there to help also. So we're not against that there aspect because sometimes you got to get the release from the thinking that they have. Come on. But the reality of the whole thing is the issues out of the abundance of the heart is where the mouth speaks. And whatever the pain is, whatever the hurt is, whatever the unresolved conflict is, it's going to come out of the mouth. And it's going to be a revelation of what's going on of the activity that's going on in the heart. So he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if there's anything I've learned in the day and hour that we're living in today is the enemy wants to stop, take the very foundational roots of the church out. Okay, how many know it's foundational, the cross? And you don't hear about it preached today. Come on. You hear about it because Pastor Kath, come on. Okay. They want to take out faith. Come on. That's found. You can't even please God or come into agreement with the God without faith. And then you got all these ones because you got a few crazy ones out there. And, and you throw out the 99 good ones because of the one lunatic. Come on. And, and, and so we judge the whole thing out there. Amen. And so what do we want? He wants to hit all the foundations, the doctrine of eternal states, the doctrine of baptisms. Come on. These are all foundational. And if he can uproot the foundations, then he's got the whole tree. He's got the whole way. So now I said all that. Now I'm ready to get started. Are we all there? So how many are children of God here today? Come on. How many are child of God? How many are here? Come on. Bible says in 1 John 3, I'll just give you this here. But the Son of God came to destroy, literally to dissolve, to melt, to put off, to loose, to release from bonds, to break off, to set free, and to break down the what? The works of the devil. Can you say amen? amen? So we all know that. That's basic and it's fundamental. So if that's why he came, why are we here? We're to break the bonds, that's right. the shackles, the chains right. off the people. Come on. Yep. Not just me, all of us. Yep. We're to lift the scales and the blinders from their eyes so that they could see the gospel. Why? Because you're a living epistle written and read of men, and every day they look at your life, and they're saying, what's this really all about? And your life, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. Now I'm ready to get started. Are you all there? This is my text, and this is where I want to park for the rest of this here service. 1 John chapter 5. Kindly put it up, and we'll do it in the new living over here. 1 John chapter 5, very, very important. Verse number 18, 1 John 5, 18. We know that God's children, look what it says. Everybody say it, come on. Know that God's children do not make a practice of sin. How many know when you do something wrong? How many of you say something and you said it wrong? Come on, right out, you, you know. Come on, come on, just, just, how do you know that? I wasn't there to tell you. You didn't hear Pastor Kathy or Pastor How do you know when you do something wrong? You got God's spirit inside you. Come on. So how many know when you do something wrong, what do you want to do? You want to make it right. Okay, so go back to the person. You know what? I'm sorry for mouthing off the way that I did. Okay. Well, I ain't going to forgive you. Well, you've done your part. You went to them. You've, come on now. Okay. Whether they do or not, that's not your issue. But then he said, we know that God's children do not make a practice of Sinning, for God's son holds them what? Securely, and what happens? And the evil one cannot touch them. Now, let me, just, let me just say something. Let me just, can I say something? If you're practicing sinning, then guess what? The evil one can't touch you. I'm just telling you. I mean, how many know you want to play in the enemy's ballpark? You're going to play not by God's rules. You're going to play by your rules or, or the enemy's rules. His rules are going to be to steal from your life, kill your life, destroy your life, paralyze your life, shut your life down. Come on. But then it said, look, there's another verse here, so there's hope for all of us. Can you all say amen? Look at the next verse over here. He said, we know, everybody say, we know that, the, that we are children of God and that the world around us is what? It's under the control of the evil one. But look at the next. Go ahead. Go ahead. And we know that the Son of God has come. And he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in what? 
fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son. Jesus Christ is the only true God and he is eternal life. Last verse 21, it says, come on, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place. Where at? The King James says, little children, keep yourself from idols. The Amplified says, from anything that would occupy the place of God do in your heart. Now, let me just state, I'm going to simplify this to everybody so you can get it. The word touch him literally means the evil one toucheth him not. The word evil one means this here, hurtful, evil in effect, evil in influence, vicious, mischief, malice, grievous, malicious, lewd. Okay, in the other one, in 1 John 5, where it says in the control, it literally means in the sway of the evil one. The word sway means to move or incline to one side or to a particular direction, to fluctuate or vacillate as to swerve of the wicked one. And then it says, the evil one toucheth him not because he keeps himself. The word keep means to guard from loss or injury. In other words, they're vigilant. They're sober. They're aware that the enemy is trying to bait them. The enemy is trying to lure them. The enemy is trying to get them to take the bait. But they're not. They're vigilant. Come on. Okay, so here, I'm going to summarize it. This is what I want to say. Touch it means to attach oneself to, fasten oneself to. In the simplest words that I could say is there are boundaries. Okay, I need five people up here. Okay, so come on up here. First five people. Five people, just come on up. You can come up, young man. Right, make a circle around me. Just make a circle around me with five people. Right over here. You're so precious. Right over here. Now turn around and look at me. Right, perfect, perfect, perfect. So here I am. Now, if I'm around all these here people, come on, I'm hedged in. I'm protected. Okay, these people care about me. Hey, wait a minute. If I start getting off, they're going to push me back on. So they're my boundaries over here. So the enemy's out there. Hey, get into loss. Hey, get into fear. Hey, hey, hey. The roaring lion goes out there. You see what they did? Did you see how they looked at you? Do you see how they overpassed you? They don't care about you. They don't love you. If they loved you at that their church, they would have never acted the way that they did to you. And they murmured. And they complained and everything else. Come on. And so he's on the outside. And he's trying to lure you in. But when I go to the outside, guess what happens? They're there to stop me. And so in the spirit realm, there's a barrier of the blood of Jesus. And that barrier, and you know, they don't want to talk about blood today because it's not politically correct. But the same suckers that say that are the ones that watch vampires. So anyway, so we'll leave that. So, so, so forget about it. There's a blood covenant that we have. And there's forgiveness because of the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So the blood's around me. The blood protects me. I go to get out, come on, and that blood is right there. Okay, you guys can all be seated. Thank you. Okay. Now, here's the key. But if I choose of my own will, I know I'm in the boundary. I'm knowing the protection. But man, that girl sure looks good over here. That's not my wife. Or that financial venture really looks good over here. But I'm no longer in the boundary. Or let's go to this here one. Well, they hurt you. And it was unjustified. They did, and they knew what they did. They knew it, man. They knew exactly what they were doing. And they set you up, man. Because you're just a jerk. You're just an idiot. And you go and take that. Come on. Or you just don't fit in, man. You're just, you're just not like them over there. You just don't fit in. You're not like them. You're not as good as them. And then you come out of the boundaries. And your mind now is open to the evil one. And so he starts assaulting. And then the Bible says, holding up what? The shield of faith wherewith you'll what? Quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. But now you're in his turf. You're over there in this. You're not in the protective place. You're not in the protective place. Now, people can get mad at me, those watching my live stream. I'm, I'm really not concerned. 
But you know what? If God never released somebody to leave a church or if somebody left the church with the wrong spirit and they left mean and they left nasty and they left condemning and they left because of a hurt or because of an offense, you know, the whole kingdom of God, it, build, it builds on relationships and God uses imperfect people in an imperfect world to bring perfect answers to the problems that we face today. And that's why the Bible can go further and say we're complete in Christ Jesus. But God never told us in a marriage just because there's a problem to run from the marriage. God never tells us to give up on somebody. Okay, regardless of where they've been, they've fallen, but they missed up, man, five different times. The Bible says, though the righteous, righteous fall seven times, they get back up again. Who's the one that's going to be there to pick them back up again? So it's not about an excuse to fall down. It's not about an excuse to go back, but it's about making the decision that we're going to stay in that secret place. We're just going to stay in the hedge. And when you're in the hedge, it's not perfect because it's imperfect world that we live in. But the evil one can't get us. What does that mean? His, his temptations can't pull you away from your love for God. Now listen carefully. You've heard this before. The three hooks that he uses, number one is temptation. Okay, he's called the tempter. What does he tempt you in? To get bitter, to get unforgiving. What else he do? To get out of faith and to get out of love. Okay, what else does he tempt you? In areas of, of slander. Okay, and then, and then what else is it? He's, he's known as the deceiver. I came from the produce business, man, and, and, and nothing bugs me more is when I buy an apple and that apple looks so good on the outside and I bite inside and it's brown. That thing was frozen or something. Come on. And it's like, this thing looks so good on the outside. Then you bit into it. Come on. Okay, it deceived me. In the same way, we have to guard our hearts that it's not by the opinions or the philosophies or what our friends have to say, but it's about what God's word has to say. It's about time somebody stands up and says to the disgruntled one that got burned in a marriage, that got a hurt in a marriage, and all men are that way, and all women are that their way, and then the ones that were happily married are no longer happily married because they've been hanging around the wrong spirit. Come on now. And that spirit, you give it a legal right. Why? Because you're no longer here now, but you're listening with them, and you give them the emotions, and you give them the pity, and you give them this air, and they stay in their hurts, and they stay in their unforgiveness, and they stay in their pain, but you're no longer in here. So that thing now has an opportunity to fester inside, and that next thing you know, financial problems come. Next thing you know, sickness comes. Next thing you know, hurts come. Next thing you know, disease comes. And then you're out there. God, why are you lying? All this here to happen. And listen, leave God out of the equation because it's not God's decision. It was your decision to leave this place over here and get out of the boundaries that were laid out. Come on, church. And then, well, you know, I got constant financial problems. Well, God says, honor him with the tithe. Well, you know, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, I didn't ask you what you believe because what you believe is outside of the boundaries that God has set up. And, and, and listen, listen, in the keeping of these here things, you become the benefit of the greater. God says, I'll rebuke the devourer. Come on. I'll make you a delightsome land. There'll be peace in your relationships. But when you get out of the boundaries, how many know you're all on your own? Amen. So my question is, what are you going to do with what you heard? All right, let's all stand because we're going to break bread right now. Two words that I want to say. The tempter's there. What's he trying to tempt you into? The deceiver. The tempter, the deceiver, and the third lure that he uses is the accuser. The Bible says in Revelations 12, in the middle of the tribulation, it said the accuser of the brethren is cast down. Have you ever wondered what it is that he's trying to accuse you of is things that have already been dealt with in your past and he's now making them present tense in the day that you live in right now. What I've learned is there's two words. Do, everybody say do. Do is an action. The Bible says be not just hearers of the word but be doers. And here's what I've learned also from Lance Wall now, 14 years ago when he first came in, he said, be not just a hearer, but be a doer. And he said the word hooperbolus means that which juts out a little bit further than the average, just a little bit more. 
And when you put it together, do more than exist, live. Do more than hear, listen. Do more than agree, cooperate. Do more than talk, communicate. Do more than grow, bloom, blossom. Do more than spend, invest. Do more than think, create. Do more than work, excel. Do more than share, give. Do more than decide, discern. Do more than consider, commit. Do more than forgive, forget. Move past the past into the present. Do more than help, serve. Do more than dream, do. Do more than see, perceive. Do more than read, apply what you read. Do more than receive, reciprocate. Do more than choose, focus. Do more than wish, believe. Do more than advise, help. Do more than speak, impart. Do more than encourage, inspire. Do more than add, multiply. Do more than change, improve. Do more than reach, stretch. Do more than ponder, pray. Do more than talk, walk. Do more than expect it, and you will experience. Do more than live life, and you will have it more abundantly. Do more than just live, live for Jesus. And everybody said amen. The question is, are you going to do it or just hear it and go back when you leave this here place to life just as it came in? You got the arsenal. What seeds has the enemy put inside of your mind? What's the seeds that he lied against, against God? Remember, he said right in the beginning in Genesis, the deceiver, yea, hath God said. Come on. Always questions the character and the validity of God's word. Always questions the voice of God. And the truth is, God says you're righteous God says you're justified. God says you're forgiven. God says you're restored. God says you're healed. God says you're prosperous. God says what I started is good and it's going to get finished. Come on. Amen. I believe what he said.